Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's on Draft, a podcast where we each take five picks from a prompt we've written from books, music, movies, TV shows, or anything else in the universe. And you, the listener, tell us whose picks are Luigi Mario and whose picks are Mario Mario. My name is Paul, and I am joined this evening by Cameron and Michael. Guys, how is it going? Good. I don't get the reference. What am I missing? Uh, you, you're not a big fan of the uh, famously oh, very drunk oh, the Bob old, the... Hoskins uh, doing Mario. Oh, I thought that was from the movie. It is, yeah. Bob oh, Hoskins, is. John Leguizamo. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're both... they're, the Mar- they're the Mario brothers, right? Yes. <laughs> but one of them is clearly his name is Mario. So yeah. what is... Right, yeah. so they canonically said his name was Mario Mario for that. That's right. <laughs> oh my uh, yeah so guys uh interesting interesting weekend um you two were gonna record this episode without me yesterday so i am now on the episode because we delayed the recording in time for me to get back from uh back from our little vacation for our mm-hmm. daughter's birthdays and uh yeah, so this is some some last minute prep for me here. Uh, yeah. Talking in pre production, though, I am very glad we waited because neither Cameron nor myself consider ourselves to be connoisseurs of video games. Uh, I mean, it may have, it may have been a nice short episode for the audience. Maybe they're hammer, you know, <laughs> maybe they, they really want a short one versus the two hour ones we give them sometimes. Uh, well, it would have been short. We could have delivered on that. Yes. Could have been but, a bonus, uh, just a bonus content. Episode. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Paul, at least, is still in the realm of video games and knows more than either of us. So I'm excited to have Paul back with us. Uh, so bef- back, Paul. before we uh, launch into it, any... Any content? Anything interesting? Yeah, I got an update. I got an update from the last episode. Michael, I I binged season three of True Detective. Good. Watched one episode on on Friday night, not this past weekend, but the previous, and then I watched the other seven all throughout Saturday. I was I was babysitting that day, so I just watched it all day long. So it was good. I liked it. I, I dare I say I think I liked it a little bit more than the first season. Um, it's I, it's totally a lot different isn't it yes yeah um i, I don't think it's quite as heavy mm-hmm. uh, agreed uh, which was good felt felt good i was i think i was mentally prepared for a super heavy season and it wasn't um and then uh, there was just some personal you know the fact that they're in northwest arkansas was really cool um mm-hmm. so that was that was kind of cool people talking about you know conway and fayetteville and little rock and all that stuff so yeah um i liked it i, I loved uh um what's his name steven uh is dorf is steven dorf yeah. oh, i loved him i thought he was i thought mahershali was great too um but uh it, it was really good i'm glad i watched it got it all done in one day uh, i like the ending but i hate i don't like endings where nobody really knows the truth mm-hmm. <laughs> which is even though the audience knows the truth but the characters don't that's always mm-hmm. been just like uh i mean i don't not like it but it's a little more frustrating it frustrates me like some people don't like open-ended endings mm-hmm. I, I like open-ended endings but i don't like 
closed endings, but none of the characters know how it closed. Yes. You know what I mean? I say that. Yeah. I have I have hope the way that they dealt with the the note that uh, Mahershala Ali's character had made, uh-huh. uh, the way they handled that leaves me hope that maybe they will find out the truth. Interesting. I, I just take it as they didn't find out or else they would have written in well something to insinuate that they did or would. Uh, I, I know the son, I don't want to give it away, right? But, but somebody sees the note at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. Maybe maybe they, they figure it out. But I think the thing is like they don't need to figure it out. You know, right. Point, so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was good though. I, I, I liked it. And I'm, I'm debating watching the second season because I, I heard it from you and I've heard it from others that it's not as good as the other two. So. Watch it, not thinking of it as true detective. <sighs> Just approach it like a cop drama or something. That's tough. That's tough for me to do. Somebody once told me to watch uh, the Han Solo movie as if it's not the Star Wars movie and maybe I'll like it more. I don't, I don't think I can do that. So I well, don't that's, know. That's a little different because the setting is the same and the characters are ones that you know. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> this that's is a completely different setting than the other two seasons. Paul, can you different bring actors. up some sort of an algorithm to replace like the name Han every time it's mentioned? Time. And make, it like, <laughs> make it like 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 Daryl or something. <laughs> and uh, it'll be a brand new character. What's, your, la- what's, what's your last name? I don't have one. Daryl Solo. All right. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. Uh, so anyway, I watched that. I watched another thing. I'll go straight into it. Um, I'm continuing my pattern of trying to watch a movie quite often. I'm, I'm kind of averaging one a week. This is this is going crazy. I might Break, have to get breakneck the, speed. I know. I might have to dust the cobwebs off the old <laughs> compendium list and get that sucker updated because I am moving through movies, man. I watched Cry Macho on HBO Max. Oh, you did? It? Yeah. Have you seen Cry, Cry Macho up there? I've seen, I've seen the trailer or, or little bits of the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, think it's, I don't think it's written, but directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Clint Eastwood. Um, I think it's an older story because NPR said that uh, it, they it approached Eastwood with it years ago. It, it is. It's a novel. Passed. Yeah, it's a novel from the seventies, I think. And uh-huh. uh, needless to say, so it, it's a it's sort of a period piece. It takes place in the Southwest. It's actually reminded me of kind of your your little uh, True Detective setting, kind of Michael, but only because it was oh, in yeah. the Southwest, uh-huh. but. Clint has to go into Mexico and get this kid up to the States for whatever reason. Um, the problem is Clint Eastwood is too old for the character. Uh, Clint Eastwood, right, is in his 90s and he looks like he's in his 90s. You know, he kind of walks around like, but he's supposed to be like going down. He's supposed to be doing like a like a man on fire thing a little bit. Not quite like that, but but getting a kid out. So it's not that believable. Mm. the script was was pretty atrocious uh, especially the dialogue that the kid had it was just not good and it kind of meandered so i figured it was a novel before i even uh you know heard that because it kind of it kind of was did not flow like a typical movie it kind of was choppy from a uh micro story standpoint first they go here and they kind of do that for a little bit then they go there so it was very like novella-esque and and that kind of works in some movies but i think as a like final 
Clint Eastwood movie, which from what I understand, that's kind of how it's being billed as like Clint Eastwood's final Western sort of right. The last time he'll wear like a cowboy hat or whatever. It was a little sentimental in that regards. Um, but other than that, it really, I, I did not think it was that good. I wouldn't say it's like terrible or bad, but I probably two out of five, maybe, you know, two and a quarter out of five, something like that. It just, it did not really pay off. It did not really deliver. And then there were some glaring kind of screenplay holes that I just didn't understand. But, uh, and then some funny parts, they kind of try to mock like Clint Eastwood is going to tame a horse. So they show a clear other person, but they show old Clint Eastwood clearly getting on a very tame horse. Then they pull back and they show a different shot of clearly a stuntman riding a bunking, a bucking horse. And then they show a close-up of Clint Eastwood, who's probably on a mechanical bull, just kind of doing this. So it was, it was kind of like, come on, this guy is so old. There's no way he would have voluntarily got on this wild horse. <laughs> he would have died. He would have died. So there was a couple of things like that. He, he punches a guy. He's like, there's no way this 90 year old man is going to punch this guy and hit him on the ground. So there's some things like that, but it was, it was interesting. I'm glad I watched it. It was very easy to watch on an afternoon. I kind of go in and out. Um, I think some people would call it dull. Uh, like I said, meandering um, some unbelievableness, but you know, that's the last Western Clint wants to make. That's, that's fine. Yeah. I'd do you think it'll it'll actually be his last one, or is he gonna is he gonna get the itch? To, didn't am I crazy, or did he announce like fifteen years ago that he was gonna retire, and then he just kept making movies after probably, that? Probably, probably. I'm sure he'll make another I think movie. A lot of actors, yeah. But I think I just, a lot of actors do that. I think this was a specific kind of a western type movie, and it was <laughs> kind of built as that way, so. It's funny to hear you say that he was way too old for the movie because the NPR review was much kinder and it said that the role felt like it should be an old person. That's why he passed it up originally. Uh, there's, there, they yeah, didn't. I don't, they didn't beat around the bush that he was old. I'll look. I'll look for that uh, book. But I, I, that character. I mean, generally, generally. <laughs> If we think of an old cowboy, we don't think of 95-year-old old cowboy. Yeah, right? I mean, so th this guy sends him on a mission to Mexico to bring back a kid. You don't give that to a 90-year-old man. You don't go, hey, I need you to go across the border, like kind of kidnap this kid and bring him back, you know, avoiding like all the people trying to keep him there. Like you don't give that to a to a 90-year-old man. I He's going to miss the 4 o'clock lunch special at the diner. That's <laughs> just... It's too much. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's in the, uh, in the, I can't find in the uh, synopsis of the book that it has an age, but I, I don't think he was 90. I kept worrying like somebody's going to push him and he's going to like fall. Like he's <laughs> like, I was like, as soon as somebody gets physical, like he has no recourse whatsoever. He can't even yeah. like get away fast. Um, so Mm, that, that just is kind of hard to hear about Clint Eastwood. Well, he's an old man. I mean, it's not, you know. I know, but the macho Clint Eastwood that he used to be. Well, that's sort of the underlying message. I know. Yeah. Is yeah. right. You don't, you don't, you know, but which is kind of a, a little, it's a bit of a cop out, right? He plays a macho guy his entire life. And then, like his last movie, he's like, you know what doesn't really matter? 
you know, machismo, <laughs> you know, guys, y'all, y'all, y'all really gotta, you know, that's not what's important. It's like, after you like your life's career is built on those types of characters. Yeah. Now the message is all like to this young kid in the movie, macho doesn't really matter. It's all like, why don't we hear like a young, like macho guy say that not an old man. Of course, an old man's going to say that. <laughs> what, so, you know, what's not important throwing punches. <laughs> Yeah. Now, you know. starting now, <laughs> starting right now, guys, let's talk <laughs> it out. Anyway, so my uh, I'm, I'm trying to bring a movie every week. So, uh, well, I I mentioned it last time I was on. We've been watching uh, Only Murders in the Building. Oh, up yeah. Through up through the most recent. I, I didn't know. I You know what? I must have zoned out or maybe it was one. I don't know how I missed that because I we... listened to the episode with you and Michael, too. So. Uh, it was the last time we were all on together. Was, I just mentioned it in one of the picks because. Oh, okay. Oh, when I took Steve Martin for stand up. Oh, that's I right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yep. I watched the first three episodes myself. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. I'm up to. Um, we watched up through the most recent. I think there's six episodes that have been released now, um, and Ooh. it's very. It's very interesting. It's. Um, it's very meta, because they'll they're like working on doing a true crime podcast. So the plot of the show is that they're fans of true crime podcasts. Uh, then a murder happens in their building and they decide to start producing a podcast about the murder in the building. Um, and uh, they're all just wacky characters. Like Martin short is a, a Broadway director and um, they have some weird traits where like he eats only dips. Like that's the only food he eats is he just like, spoons dips out of bowls and eats them um and so they all get some kind of and there's um i i won't get too far into it because they sort of uh uh, spoon feed you some sort of like little tidbits and like mysteries and things as it goes on but i think steve martin's character is probably going to ramp up as we get going because there's some really weird stuff that's been happening with him like there was an episode where he started having some like hallucinations and so far they just haven't explained that at all like it just happened oh, i haven't gotten there on. yet that's interesting uh and so there's really interesting stuff like that and they'll they'll tie in the plot of the show like they'll be doing the podcast and they'll be like oh we really need you know this to escalate uh, you know for the podcast to remain interesting and then the show will escalate in the same way so they're like they're constantly having this kind of meta commentary on the plot of the show through what they're doing with the podcast. Um, so it's interesting. It wasn't what I anticipated it. I thought it would just be more, I mean, it's billed as a comedy series. So I thought it would be just more kind of jokey and, and making fun of true crime podcasts. Um, but there are some, some really good comedic moments. Um, uh, like, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about their listenership and they're, uh, they have about five listeners, you know, something we can relate to where they're like, I, I, I was relating to the show a lot <laughs> from the let's make a podcast. Yeah. When they were like, we, we have like 10 listeners. Is that good? And somebody else in the room just goes, no, it's not, it is not good. Um, uh, and, uh, Tina Fey plays, like a really famous podcaster um, in the in the show, so you hear her podcast several times, and um, there's like a there's a time where she delivers a key plot point in the mystery, and then immediately after she delivers it, she says, 
And if you're looking to make, uh, you know, a website, uh, take take a look at Squarespace. Um, and so there's some, oh, there's some funny. Really funny comedic beats like that that happen. But I'm I'm really enjoying it. And the so primarily it's just Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez doing most of the most of the stuff on screen. And I think all three of them are, are doing a really good job. So it's um, I would recommend it. I'm interested to see how it wraps up because they're hinting at some stuff getting kind of crazy i, I mm. feel like now i'm only three in i think mm-hmm. um i'm a little more lukewarm on it uh but i'm gonna watch a couple more episodes because holly's holly's digging it um so but uh i love i love martin short so far he's my favorite mm-hmm. um i i uh, selena and steve martin i don't know i'm waiting to see where it goes uh, with them but martin short i think it's just martin short he's hilarious um his yeah. acting style so yeah. And good cameo by Sting. Uh, Sting oh, plays right. a pretty Sting. central, central role. Right. Um, so yeah, it's good stuff. Recommend it. I'll have to catch up so I can contribute, and we can possibly talk more in depth about what's going on. Yeah, and you know, Paul, we could start an accessory podcast where we review only murders in the building. <laughs> it it took me a really long time to parse the title. I don't know why the title like really confused me until there was one part where they explained it in an episode. And I was like, Oh, that's what it means. Right. I think it was like in the second episode or something. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. They're only, they're only talking about murders that happen within their building. They're not going to branch out to talk about other murders. Right. Cause I think at one point Martin short was like, Oh, we could do this. (laughs) Right. It's like someone was murdered in the park. So we could go over there and, like, yeah. No, okay. only murder. So that one. that's yeah, that's what I thought the title meant. I'm glad that's what it meant. <laughs> yeah, what it means. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty good. I would um uh it really like the the cliffhangers are like upping in intensity with every episode. Yeah, so that's good. Um yeah, it'll be good to see where it where it goes. Plus, I'm just a fan of Steve Martin and Martin Short being back together and something. So. Hmm. Hey man, let's get going. We're almost 20 minutes in. (laughs) Let's go. So we, uh, we, we picked this episode topic because it was announced this week that a new Mario movie is coming out. This one's going to be an animated Mario movie. Um, Twitter was, uh, uh, up in arms over the announcement because they announced that Chris Pratt is going to be Mario. Not exactly the first person you think of when you think of an Italian character, but at the same time, I I don't know what people expected because you can't have Charles Martinet doing his Mario voice for an entire movie, like the stereotypical, like it's a me the entire movie. Like you you can't make a movie where a character talks like that. So I don't know what people wanted um, to, to happen in the. Uh, in the film uh but people were people were upset a a little bit and i you know i wouldn't say i'm excited for it it looks like it'll probably be uh, at best a a decently funny children's movie um you know like lego movie is maybe the lego movie is solid i like it so maybe like lego movie lego movie 2 is like Mm. i feel like the the ceiling for this Uh, just looking at who they cast right like chris pratt obviously from the lego movie um uh Keegan Michael Key as Toad 
I feel like he's the guy you just throw in if you just want somebody to say a few funny lines in your animated movie. Um, Anya Taylor Joy as Peach. Hmm. Um, the one, the one casting choice that I was pretty excited about was Jack Black as Bowser. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, I think that'll be pretty good. Uh, but people were talking about it, and famously, video game adaptations have not done well. Um, it's just a genre of film that, um, at best, creates like a decent movie, right? Like some of the best ones are probably like Detective Pikachu, which is pretty entertaining, but not like a great movie. There's not really a video game adaptation that is just incredibly great, right? Um, so we uh, were thinking about drafting our own video games that we thought should be maybe adapted into some movies that would be better than the movies we've gotten so far off of video games. And uh, for each one, we're going to pair them with a director. So when we make a pick, we're going to be eliminating both a game plus all the other games in its series and that director. Um, so we'll have uh, 15 games, 15 directors by the end of it. Um, anything else we need to do in terms of uh, terms of rules? So what I'm thinking is that if there's already a movie even related to the franchise, it's out. Because I saw Star Wars uh, Knights mm -hmm. of the Old Republic or something like that uh, listed as a game that needed to be turned into a movie. So I think that should be off the table just because Star Wars exists. Any movie, though? Because a lot of these games have had like really crappy small animated stuff no i think that ones that have not had a wide release because there okay. are some that that are like fan made yeah. that are super small right, or, right. or direct to yeah. dvd like you mean just avoid like the big franchises okay. that, are, that are sort of known as movie franchises as well like don't draft like one of the batman games or like the spider-man games because they already have right. big movie right franchises. right right Okay, yeah. cool. And, that makes sense. And then what was the other thing? I guess if we're drafting one title, it, it, it encompasses the whole series of that game. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There's, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, the draft order is set. I'm up first, and then Cameron, and then Michael with the back to back picks to round up the first round. Uh, I'll just jump into it here. Um, I am going to, I don't know, I guess I could strategically uh, save games that weren't on a lot of lists or something I didn't feel like you guys had played, but I'm just going to go with one that is one of my favorite um, sort of individual games of all time. It's sort of in a series, sort of not. Uh, I'm going to take Shadow of the Colossus as my number one pick here. And for director, I'm going to go Alfonso Cuaron. Um, so Shadow of the Colossus is a game about um, a, a young man whose lover has been um, uh, sacrificed and he is attempting to bring her back to life. And he knows this legend that if he goes to this area and defeats um, these massive colossi, then um, he will uh, he he will be able to revive um, his lover, right? And the entire game is the story is told basically in the environment. There's almost no dialogue for the entire game. Um, everything is is told 
sort of by visuals and what's going on. Um, and it's just, it's like one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. And one of the most interesting because it doesn't really have a, like a level structure. Instead, it's, it's a series of um, just escalating boss fights because each Colossus that you fight is huge in the game world and you have to climb it while it tries to shake you off or knock you off in various ways. Sometimes there's like a flying one or one that goes underwater and you have to sort of navigate around that. Um, and you have to climb up and sort of like hit weak spots or things like that to, to defeat them, right? Um, and then this the interesting thing is as you, as you go throughout the game, your character sort of uh, clearly is becoming um, sort of hurt by what he's doing. He's becoming pale and... Um, it turns out that he's basically being sort of tricked by this demonic entity to go kill these colossi so that he, the entity can come uh, and take over his body. Um, and that's what sort of happens at the end of the game. But then also there's a, sort of a, a extra uh, epilogue that ties it into uh, Team Ico's other games, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, really interesting development of the plot in that way. So uh, I went with Alfonso Coran for two reasons, right, is that he can do really adept visual storytelling, like Ro like Roma, right, wins all of the awards that it does because he captures visually the emotions that are, are happening with the family. And so much of it's not done in dialogue, it's done visually. And this would be primarily um, one person by himself constantly the entire movie. But then also he can do big budget sort of action stuff uh, because he did um, Gravity which is one person interacting with an entirely computerized environment um, for the most part, except for like one conversation that um, Sandra Bullock has, right? So um, that movie is just so fast paced in action that I think he could make the battles with the big colossi really interesting while also telling a story entirely visually in a way that would be pretty unique to any movie that's out there. So that would be my pick here. So, Paul, you, I don't know how you want to take this. You almost had a steal. Really? You almost had a almost. steal. Almost. But you don't. You don't got one. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I had Alfonso queued up for Knights of the Old Republic. Gotcha. So, but, sorry, no steal. Keep that <laughs> no, no steal since yeah. we ruled it out. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, no steal there. Uh, yeah, I know you love this game. I remember watching you play it and our friend Nick uh nick d not that nick d but the other nick d <laughs> we're just laughing at, as you were like chasing around this colossus and you're like climbing him as he's like walking around and there's like a little platform right like at his belt line that you hop onto and we were just like how convenient <laughs> in case there's a, a you know a human sized person that needs to get up there the guy wears a nice platform on his back yeah you but know that was just kind of it, but I, I know the game's got great reviews, and uh, I like the the pick of Alfonso Cuarón there. Uh, I had them for Knights of the Old Republic mostly because I wanted a Star Wars movie that was much more uh, like visually captivating than mm -hmm. they typically have been of recent. They've been a little bit more dialogue heavy. Well, they're always dialogue heavy, but I would love, especially one set in the Old Republic, to be a little more visual heavy, kind of yeah. you know you know really show the wonder of the old republic so that's kind of so kind of the same same thing in vain um and uh let's not forget he did children of men which is yes. a really yep. really good movie that i really need to re-watch and I, I don't think i've watched it for at least a decade 
So I'd love to see how it uh, holds up. But I think it's a it's a good pick. Not bad. Would have been better if it was a steal, but <laughs> what are you gonna do? So I'm not extremely familiar with this game, but I remember that it's the game that Adam Sandler's character was wrapped up in in the movie Rain Over Me. Do y'all remember that with Don Cheadle? Oh yeah. So this is the game that he played all the time in that movie. Interesting. I I didn't remember that's what he. I remember him playing. I didn't remember it was uh, Colossus. Pretty sure. Interesting. I mean, it I is. Uh, it's one of the like top reviewed games of all time. Mm-hmm. I saw just a still from the game, and it looks very cinematic. Mm-hmm. So I think it it would translate well to the big screen. Yes. Yeah, it would. And that's why um, there was actually a few other directors I kind of thought of initially and then thinking about um, Gravity, which I did not watch Gravity on the big screen. I wish I had after I had seen it. Oh, you have um, to. It's one of those movies that it's not really worth it on the small screen. Yeah, I I wish I'd had the the opportunity uh, for it. So I think the this movie would basically just be either it would just drastically alternate between spectacle and like deep character sort of visual character development. Um, and so I think it, yeah, it would be really awesome to see it in like an IMAX or something. All right. Cool. Well, Cameron, what, uh, what have you got locked and loaded here? Non Knights of the old Republic related. Uh, so I'm going with Knights of the old Republic two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no the famously non-star wars uh entry in Di- the knights of the old republic different franchise. old republic different old republic it's a civil war movie actually <laughs> it's from the antebellum uh so i'm not a big gamer at all uh, i just i haven't had a console in years and you know i don't know i just like you know i don't know I'm just not a big gamer i wish i was but so my picks are going to be very on the face I think my mother probably knows half of the games I'm about to name off. So <laughs> keep that in mind. So I'm not going with anything surprising here. I'm going to go with just straight up Zelda of, in some capacity. You know, I I was never a big fan of this game. I'm not. Um, uh, uh, but my brother had a couple of them. He played them a lot. So I would play them occasionally. I think I had one of the Game Boys. Uh, they had a Zelda game and I would play them a little bit, but just not my thing. The, on a mission, you got to gather these things and take them over there. Occasionally, you got to hit a shot with your little bow and arrow. Just not my thing, but incredibly popular. Uh, I'm going to be keying uh, a director here that I think is going to fit in the Zelda world really well. Get some nice CGI in there. I'm going with Peter Jackson for Zelda. Uh, I think it lines up pretty much with, with what he's done before with the Middle Earth stuff. So Middle Earth stuff. So I, th- I think Peter Jackson can really craft uh, an interesting looking Zelda world. So that's what I'm going to go with. Interesting. Yeah, the, the Zelda games are ones with um, just really different uh, feels, both sort of visually and um, uh uh, sort of thematically, I guess, going between games to games, right? Where there's things that carry through, but um, you've got like uh, Skyward Sword feels radically different from like Wind Waker. So Wind Waker is probably my favorite sort of visually. It's done a little more cartoony 
um, maybe a little more humor sort of built into it, but um, I could see Peter Jackson doing, uh, you know, taking on like Breath of the Wild seems the most sort of big epic kind of open world, although there's not as much plot going in there. So if he wants something as densely plotted as Lord of the Rings, then I don't know, I'm be looking at Ocarina of Time or, or something, but he would have, um, there's a surprising, surprising amount of like back lore to the Zelda games that um, uh, clearly Jackson likes to get into in his movies uh, based on not only the fact that, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies are as dense as they are, but like when he did King Kong, it's an enormous movie that uh, clearly has like, hey, I want to spend a bunch of time exploring the island and then a bunch of time exploring what happens in New York City in a way that could almost be two movies, but it's Peter Jackson. So he, he just kind of crammed it into one movie. I watched, uh, so this was on several of the lists that I came across. I think this is a fantastic pick. And I I did not see Peter Jackson's name thrown out necessarily with this one, but with Fantasy Realm because of Lord of the Rings. So mm. I think that's really fitting. Some key things that uh, fans would demand is that, you know, Link looks amazing. And I feel like we saw with Lord of the Rings that they can translate this fantasy based attire to the big screen in a way that is completely realistic, you know? So I, yeah. I feel like they could do a great job with his costume and, and mm-hmm. make it feel natural. Uh, one thing with this character as in, uh, same with a few other games, Link doesn't really talk. And so people were wondering, how would you, how would you handle that? And I was trying to think of other movies where the main character talked very little. And I came up with Apocalypto and Mad Max Fury Road. So if they kind of made him mm. the protagonist that is silent on this kind of journey maybe that could work a little bit better uh it's going to be different than than lord of the rings in that manner yeah Hmm. also i feel like with peter jackson we see that he's not afraid to invent some story arcs (laughs) (laughs) so i think he could work with uh what was it breath of the wild was that which one had uh Hmm. Breath of the Wild was the most recent one mm-hmm. and it has very little plot because it's another one that is told uh, mostly visually, mm-hmm. right? Like you just mm-hmm. kind of discover stuff in the wild. Um, but there are, there are flashbacks. It's, it's not nearly as devoid of story as something like Shadow of the Colossus. There's like flashback conversations and mythology and stuff built into it. Um, so he could take the mythology right like in breath of the wild there's these four heroes that existed in the past and you kind of resurrect them as part of the game and then they their spirits grant you like a power but each of them has like a a backstory involved with a certain like race of people in the world and so like i could see jackson being like i'm going to do something to explore the backgrounds of like all four of these characters and just add detail sort of in that way to it. All right, Mike, you're up. Okay. Now, Cameron, uh, I don't want to, to steal any of your five options here, but I do want to kind of take, you've got, you've got some big names here. 
both of you on the board. So I feel like pulling off at least one you could uh, uh pretty, you could pretty you big could ta- title. Tap into your Smash Brothers episode and go with Tetris. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hadn't even considered that. Interesting. Mm. This one was number one on a list. And I feel like visually it's going to be outstanding if given to the right director. Hey, before you keep going, what do y'all think the chances are of some sort of double steal? What, what do you, what, oh, where, where it's game, game and, and I feel like director. I feel like it's pretty likely. I mean, we all yeah. like the same directors. Okay. So. Sorry, I didn't know my cat was under my desk. I just stepped on her. <laughs> oh, no. Sleeping down there. I felt a paw. So, okay. All right, go ahead, Mike. I'm just curious. If, if somebody gets a double steal, I don't know what the reward is. I'm trying to count up how many picks I have here versus... Okay, I'm going to take Assassin's Creed 2. Mm. Now, there's no, already I, an Assassin's already Creed a movie. movie. Is there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So there's oh, a God. lost pick. So it's on to a Michael Michael, Michael Fassbender movie. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Michael Fassbender. So, so you're not into games and you're not into movies either. Um, <laughs> what are you into? So we can try and plan something, a draft for you. I did not know. So uh, how it's is not, the movie? It, it's not good. I've watched it. Have you seen it, Paul? I haven't. I haven't seen it um it just looked not good so it's not good it's not good okay well that's sad to hear uh had i been given the choice of director i was thinking paul greengrass for that Mm -hmm. one what has he done he's done the born movies oh okay okay i think it could have easily been a good movie oh i do too yeah but just everything i saw of the trailers made it look not not that sad okay well has there been a metroid movie there has not there's been like a fan film i think but that would be it okay well i'm gonna go with metroid here and from the plot description that i saw uh, we're following a single protagonist uh, who's a bounty hunter but Nintendo first characterized it as an adventure rather than a first-person shooter because you were more involved with uh, searching for things than just straight-up shooting. Mm-hmm. So that interested me. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of gore, so I think that that could be a little bit more interesting than just a straight-up shooter like the Doom movies. Those ones have... I've actually watched those on Netflix. And, you know, they're, they're kind of interesting just to be in that first person view, but uh, the plots of them have been pretty terrible. There's more than so one Doom? There, there's actually two on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. So uh, I was watching Death Battle uh, YouTube channel, and they had thrown out some actresses that they thought would be awesome for Metroid, for uh, Samus. And I really liked Brie Larson. That was one of the people that they mm. threw out for. Mm. So I thought that would be a really solid uh, Samus Aaron. And then from the description that they gave of the game, 
we've got this single female character. We've got uh, an alien presence that they're battling. It seems very dark and very spooky. And someone that is just huge in the sci-fi realm, uh, I'm going to go with Ridley Scott. I feel like as director of Alien, that he could bring something really, really profound to the Metroid series. Uh, one, one bonus of uh, bringing Ridley Scott into this is not only is he a good director, but maybe it would get him to stop making Alien sequels because he would have to come work on this. True. So that's, that's, that's just like the cherry on top of the pick. That's um, true. Uh, have, you, yeah. have you all watched Raised by Wolves on uh, HBO? I, I've watched about the first four episodes. I was I was really getting into it, and then I like zoned out in one episode, and I feel like I missed a bunch. So mm-hmm. I like I need to go rewatch it. But I, I started watching it off of somebody's recommendation. I don't know. I, I recommended it. Yeah. You was you yeah. Paul? Yeah. Thank you, Paul, for the recommendation. Uh, I really appreciate the it. movie. I, the show I haven't <laughs> seen yet. I totally recommended it. I kid. Thank you. It was it was good. I loved I loved everything I've seen. Um, of it so far so i don't even know how you heard about it mike because that's like right up my alley and i've never i've never heard about it except from you i uh we had just gotten hbo max and i saw a that's trailer what for it, it was there that's what it was i didn't have hbo max uh yeah. and t- that's what it was yeah and yeah. so i had seen a trailer for it and then saw that ridley scott was attached to it and thought man i gotta check yeah. this out it's good i had just watched all the alien movies the year or so before mm-hmm. and i had never seen any of them so uh, you know that's kind of right up my alley yeah this was a very different feel but still ominous still heavy mm-hmm. well i don't know the story of metroid can somebody summarize it in 10 seconds uh it, it's basically uh samus is like a space bounty hunter uh-huh. And she's called to go out and investigate like a planet in the first one. And then it turns out that there are these crazy kind of alien creatures and experiments happening on the planet. And she gets caught up in um, some, some, you know, there's, there's not a lot of like super deep plot, but what it has going for it is um, some really cool visuals that I think are clearly inspired by alien. Like there's some HR Giger mm. looking kind of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. So all the aliens that she kind of either battles with or interacts with are, are interesting. And um, I mean, it, it was famous at the time for having the twist at the end uh, reveal that Samus was a woman, which um, mm. uh, is, is well known now, but at the time, the basic assumption was if you see, you know, a cool space person in some armor, it's got to be a guy, right? And then yeah. um, right at the end, they they sort of make the surprise reveal. Um, so that was pretty revolutionary at the time that it came out. Who wrote that story? Was it, uh, is it with M. Night Shyamalan? Was he the, the, the yep. head writer? Got to work that twist in there. Yeah. You joke, but that is actually, I think, who Death Battle recommended, <laughs> or, or, or some twist. other. No, it was it was actually Vulture, and they threw that on there <laughs> because of the twist. Well, there you go. That's oh, exactly man. what I thought. Uh, man, I just, I, I think it's amazing, though, in a bad way, that that was the big twist. But people just couldn't even believe that this would be a woman. That I was such right. a big shock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I, I'm hoping that uh, 
I'm glad to hear that the aliens remind you of HR Geer stuff. So that that makes me feel even more confident about the pick for Ridley Scott going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, I'm glad you got Ridley on here. I was trying to find a spot for Ridley, but I just could not find one. Um, so uh, I'm glad you got him on here. Speaking of Ridley Scott, nice historical period piece coming up, The Last Duel, starring Adam Driver and mm-hmm. Matt Damon, directed yeah. by Ridley Scott. I don't know if it comes mm-hmm. out this year. I don't know if it's on HBO or if it's only in theaters, but I think it is this year. I think it's pretty soon, actually. Yeah, I think so too. So I'm really, I'm really excited about that one. Uh, both because I'm a big, big uh, Scott fan, and uh, and it's a period piece. So October fifteenth, last tool. Not, not. It's not HBO. It's not Warner Brothers. Um, it is. Uh, I don't see it listed immediately. Okay. I'm just wondering, I'm trying to cap. I'm, I'm about Sopranos is about to hit on October 1st. I think Dune's coming a couple of weeks later, so I'm ready. Yeah. I got the uh, Ben, ben Affleck in it as well. Screenplay oh, ben by Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, I yeah. think Ben Affleck plays like Henry the. I don't know. He's Count something. Pierre de Alençon. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in a period piece. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping it's not too campy. Uh, like it's not supposed to be campy, but I have a feeling it's to be all like Ben Affleck playing like some, you know. I I hope they're board. very Boston the whole the whole time. <laughs> they just don't even try to to make it historical at all. That's that'd be funny. All right, Mike, you're you're up again. Okay, so for this next one. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a steal. Okay. Pretty sure. We'll see. So this one, it was a huge, I guess, uh, fan favorite and, and acclaimed for just kind of bringing new things to the video game world. And this is from 2007. It's an action role-playing video game. It takes place within the Milky Way galaxy in the year 2183, where civilization is threatened by a highly advanced machine race known as the Reapers. Do you know what I'm talking about, Paul? Yep. This was on the list. Going to be taking mass effect here. The player assumes the role of Commander Shepard, an elite human soldier who must stop a rogue agent from carrying out the Reaper's galactic invasion. So this is straight from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, having never played the game, I needed some sort of brief synopsis to kind of wrap my head around what was going on. Now, given the visuals that I've seen in some of the trailers and the fact that it's a very very broad story and and Mm -hmm. apparently there's a lot of different ways you can go with it i want someone that's ambitious and who has done action really well and has taken on a really huge expansive sci-fi story recently i'm going to take dennis Villeneuve. oh that's a steal on dennis that's a that's a double steal then double steal you had dennis too uh well i but you had mass effect you had i had, I had mass effect and i oh, okay. i had dennis in my list of people to consider just because we all like him so much um uh, 
So yeah, that, I would that's call a, this double a double steal. steal. Well, I was looking for a double. I was hoping that somebody would do a double steal, like they steal your right. exact pick, your exact. Okay. Pair. Oh, like a paired up. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. You had Dennis for Mass Effect. That that would be unbelievable. You and Mike yeah, I, are on the same I, wavelength. Yeah, I would say his was a name I considered for Mass Effect. Um, actually, Peter Jackson, I think, would be interesting for Mass Effect too, just because Ooh. of how much of the. Um, uh, how much different um, uh, sort of backstory there is, but also it could, uh, Peter Jackson could very quickly like get into some weird, like way too long. We're going to talk about the L4 <laughs> race that are in the game for 10 <laughs> minutes. And <laughs> like, yeah, uh, but I, yeah, I had a different pick that I eventually landed on uh, for this one. I might bring it up uh, in the alternates, but I, uh, I, I've yet to see evidence that, uh, uh, Villanueve could make a, a bad movie. So mm -hmm. um, I think anything you throw them into is going to be good. Yeah. So action movies that I've seen that I love uh, Sicario was outstanding. Yeah. Love, love the action in that movie. And then Blade Runner 2049 is just gorgeous. And Cameron's spoken at length about it on the pod. So yeah. I feel like he could bring his vision to this video game. Who me? Yes, Cameron, we want your vision on the Mass Effect video game. I'll, do, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so I talked about this because uh, I've been playing through the remastered version. So I brought it up I, one episode a while back. Um, and it's, is, uh, it, it would be interesting to see it uh, brought to... I almost think it'd make a good like mini-series because you could explore a lot of the different plot lines mm -hmm. it's at least going to have to be multiple films right this is you're going to be launching a series here um because the stuff in the first game really doesn't pay off till the end of the third game it's just the story's massive um it really pioneered like sort of good meaningful plot choices that characters could make in like a big popular like triple a title kind of game um you know it's a, it's a little bit dated in that the choices are very obviously kind of pushing you towards there's two sides there's like paragon which is like the white hat and renegade which is like the black hat playthrough and the choices really obviously shuffle you towards the paragon side of things so when they when they release stats of people's choices it's something like 70 percent of people make the paragon choices when they play or something which, like that which one's which paragon's like your good guy playthrough and black and and renegade's like i'm just I'm, I want to win, you know, I don't care who I sort of kill or take mm -hmm. out in the, in the plot line. Uh, and the one reason it's so slanted is renegade ends up being the choices that turns out making your character seem very racist against alien species. Mm. And people are like, I, I don't want to do that. I want to be the guy that's like hyper practical, but there's not really a good option for that. Um, but a very, very interesting game, very beloved game series that has a lot of interesting characters. Visually, the aliens all look very different and they have some cool species. And so I think um, Villeneuve's just uh, a penchant for good visuals, as you see in like Blade Runner, uh, means he's going to have some really cool, um, really cool stuff uh, going on with this. And um, I just hope they keep Seth Green as the pilot of the ship because he did the pilot in the games and uh, he's, he's pretty good in it. And he also, I think someone noticed like last week he was trending because people realized 
his cover photo on Twitter is still him from Mass Effect. And so he clearly that's funny. He clearly loves the series uh, to this day. So keep him in there. Seth Seth Green is Joker. No one else can replace him. So from your description, if it were to be a series, I, I think it's probably even more expansive. But uh, have you have you watched The Expanse, Paul? On Amazon? I have not. Cameron, have you started it? Yeah, I think I watched the first seven or eight episodes. Okay. I've not, I've not gotten past there. I was really into it, um, but I, you know, it was one of those things where there were a lot of like names, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was trying to remember stuff before I know it. I was kind of lost, which I I don't like as a viewer. Or something. Yeah. I know a lot there's... of people that don't mind watching a show without like like I would watch uh, Game of Thrones with Holly, and she'd be like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch it," and then she'd be like, "Who's that? Who's that? Who's that?" I was like, "How can you enjoy it if you don't know who the people are?" <laughs> like, which mm-hmm. uh, to a degree, I mean, you can just enjoy just the acting as it is, but understanding the character's backstory you can probably understand what why the actors are taking it the direction you know or who you know why they're going that way so but anyway so i have i have seen some of the expanse that was one sci-fi show that i've seen take uh three different camps of people and cover kind of their different political views and bring it all together and actually talk about some alien uh encounters as well so Maybe, uh, maybe if it were to become a series, Mass Effect would kind of follow their template. That they yeah, when I was doing quick research, somebody had said, you know, Mass Effect should be the next Game of Thrones. Mm. You, know, you know, it's kind of like that. So that kind of lends way to that that argument. If yeah. it had HBO budget, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, what can't go wrong with an HBO budget? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tetris. Oh. Tetris. Ten part <laughs> series. Do it, HBO. I want to see HBO take on Tetris. If I ever become like, I don't know, some sort of, you know, billion, billion, billionaire, I kind of want to just be all like, here you go. Tetris Here's a hundred million dollars. Do it. Let's see what you can do. Uh, all right. Well, let's say you get a hundred million dollars for your next pick. What are you? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you pulling I, up? I, I can't take this one movie until I find another director. So I'm, I'm going to kind of pause <laughs> there. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go with another classic. Um, I actually did play this game several iterations. I remember when I got it. Uh, I remember watching the, the game commercial trailer and I was like, that looks pretty cool. And I'm not a big gamer. And I got it and I loved it. And the world loved it. And we got several more games. Um, across several consoles i don't even know what's still out there but i'm taking halo halo is what i'm taking it's it's bad a movie in development hell for a long time there's even some really directed dvd looking movies um on some streaming platforms that you can get a hold of mm-hmm. it's uh, but nothing that's a major motion picture uh released uh across theaters so peter halo. jackson wanted to get this made uh, yeah, I believe it. It's, he it's, was attached to it for just uh, a second, but it couldn't make it happen. Yeah, and you know, p- one of the things I was reading was a difficulty was that you know Master Chief is not a very good character. You know, it, it does not. It's very stoic, very robotic. You don't see his face. Um, he acts 
like a robot pretty much just with a little bit of personality and it's hard to develop a movie around that at least that's what people you know have kind of said but there's a recent example where i'm like well they've managed to make a pretty good story with the mandalorian and the mandalorian behaves pretty much how master chief behaves um and they've almost written and produced that show as much as close to what i imagine a live action halo movie would be so i really think there's a a blueprint there for them to use um so i would i would encourage them um i had two directors queued up for this uh i'm gonna move one to my other movie which i lost dennis uh villanue from so i'm gonna just have the one here i'm going with neil blomkamp as my halo movie i think because he does really well in the not too distant future it's kind of his wheelhouse right we're talking district nine Elysium, Chappie. Uh, he does good with uh, kind of not so distant future mechanics and robotics. And that plays right into the Halo universe. We're talking like this is supposed to be taking place in like, I don't even know, like 2050 or like 2100. So right in Neil's warehouse, um, I think he'll be able to, to do the action really well in a, in a very real world kind of setting, which he did with District 9 and, and Chappie. And even Elysium. And I think it'll be a fun movie. So I'm going with Neil Blomkamp. I like this directorial pick for it. And if I recall, you had not been a fan of Elysium because of how gritty he had made LA area look in that movie. It was, it, it's like favelas, you know, really, really uh, dirty, gritty, gritty. I said that. And, I said I didn't like that. And, uh, yeah, I think you said that it, it kind of just that was not a space no. that you wanted to be in. It bothered you visually to, to kind of be stuck in. Well, but, maybe uh, that's well, then maybe that's that's kind of what he was supposed to go for. You know, you don't want to feel comfortable in that L.A. Uh huh. I remember. And, I remember going to watch to... it. Me and you went to the Dollar Theater in Springdale. Remember that cheap yes. dollar yeah, theater? Yeah. We went there. I, I, I snuck in two McDoubles and a McChicken, and uh, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah, I feel like they have. I think they've updated that theater. Yeah, I think it, it's yeah. yeah, it's gotten the, the reclining seat treatment now. But uh, they wanted to really show the difference between the the wealthy people living in space on Elysium versus you know, the lowly folks mm -hmm. stuck on earth. So I, I agree that he does the mechanics really well, the, the robotics and things. I feel like uh, that kind of greediness brought to Master Chief is going to look really cool. It's not going to be like this shiny armor. It's going to look like someone that's lived in it and, and seen some things. So uh, the explosions and the battles from district nine uh i saw some trailers from halo in my research and i feel like that that works pretty well so mm -hmm. this is a this is a good pick yep i mean yeah neil uh neil blonkamp great director and um uh you know the all the directors they paired with the halo movie that you sort of mentioned is sort of in developmental hell um have been interesting directors for for different reasons but uh, he clearly has the the sci-fi chops, but he's not 
Um, he's not going to be your generic, like just make a, make an action movie, right? There's, there's picks you can make for Halo. That's like, just make an action movie with some fun explosions kind of thing. And um, uh, he's not going to be that. He's going to do something interesting thematically with it as well. I think it would play out good. All right. Thank you. I like it. Um, I'll let you know who I was kind of toying with when I make the next selection. If somebody doesn't block it or steal it, Michael. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Paul. You, you've got another pick before I do, so. Paul, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with one here that is always really popular on the list of things that should be made into a movies. Um, as far as I know, they haven't planned anything for this yet. I'm a little surprised they haven't, but um, it's one that gets picked a lot. I'm going to take Bioshock here. Uh, you, you probably, right. If you haven't played it, it'll be at the top of the lists of games that should be adapted in movies. Cause it has a lot of very cinematic qualities. Um, the game series, uh, the very, the first game, right. Takes place in an underwater city. And so there's lots of action sequences where like a wall breaks in and, um, something, uh, like water pours in and you have to get out of something before room floods or something like that. But uh, it's known for a couple of things, right? It's it's primarily known for the atmosphere, uh, kind of the creepy atmosphere it builds. There's these characters um, uh, called like big daddies that are these huge armored guys that have like a drill hand and they protect these little girls that have like psychic abilities. Um, and so like watching those characters just visually are, are very interesting. Um, and then, uh, there's sort of a big plot twist at the end and the plot throughout the game series plays on a lot of concepts, uh, intersecting with like capitalism and, and greed and things like that, um, are, are common themes throughout the series. So trying to pair a director who could handle the really cool kind of like visual stuff, um, but also would, would, you know, play around thematically. Um, I thought of Bong Joon-ho. Uh, most recently, of course, directing Parasite, winning uh, a ton of awards for that, but also has on his resume Snowpiercer, which has a cool sci-fi setting, plus a lot of good action in that film, um, and Okja, which had an interesting um, sort of character and visuals in that one. So uh, I thought he would be a good, and I hadn't seen him attached to this i'd seen several big name actors as people wanting to do this i hadn't seen him but he seems like a pretty natural fit to me interesting uh i had another name as i was looking at bioshock that i would be interested but i kind of have them keyed up for another movie but i was like wow that would work well in that one too mm-hmm. um uh, bong juho uh i love snowpiercer I have not seen Parasite or Okja. So, you know, jury's out. I've only seen one movie of his, but I liked it a lot. So um, I'm curious to see his style over the over several films. So I, I don't feel that comfortable with his knowing what his style is, but sounds like it's a, a good match so far. And uh, can you tell me a little bit more of the Bioshock um, setting? What, 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 what exactly are you there to do? So it's um, this city that was intended to be um, like a utopian city, like a futuristic kind of utopian right. looking city. And when you show up, clearly 
things have gone wrong. Like you come in and think there's kind of like an automated like greeting thing that's supposed oh. to be ushering you into the city, but the entire city's abandoned and there are like monsters and things loose in it. And you're trying to, and there's also um, uh, this crazy character that comes on and talks to you via the loudspeaker and you're trying to um, figure out, you're trying to escape and figure out like what's going on at the same time. Oh, interesting. Wow. The, you know, the people who like create these stories are just like, I don't know, just very creative people. I could never come up with that, <laughs> that storyline. That's a, it sounds really, really cool. It actually sounds like a pretty good book too. Yeah. In doing research, this is one of those, this and Halo, they both talked about being in development hell, hell because uh, there is a big name director. Do you know who was attached to this? I hadn't seen who, well, I've seen one name, but I don't know if he was officially attached to it. Who was it? So they said that Gore Verbinski wanted to get it made, who made really? Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And he was he was off put because uh, of, of accounting. Basically, he, he looked at it and thought that it would be a budget mental uh, nightmare. Yeah. So it, it would yeah. be. Yeah, it would or be expensive. You know, world building is tough when it's not when it's when the entire world is built. It's not even like you can set it somewhere and just build up around something. Yeah, that's the thing. When Paul, you, you'd asked, uh, what do you want to do with 100 million? I was wondering what you all thought you would need for some of these games if 100 million would even cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few, uh, some of these are definitely $200 million kind of, you know, big, big budget kind of stuff. Yeah, the ones that are going to require that world or even galaxy building where it's going to be just so CG heavy. That's going to cost so much money. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of them, though, that might be the issue is that a lot of the video game movies that comes out, um, they end up because their video games going super CG heavy. And I wonder if uh, you just took some different approaches, if you get some better results, you know, like you did the few low budget kind of opportunities that focused on the stories of the games then mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i don't know interesting that's why i was leaning toward paul greengrass for for that uh, action pick because mm -hmm. of particularly this one thing that i watched in the dvd extras uh it was called the window jump and it showed how they took something that probably would have been cg'd or uh done differently but they figured out a way to basically have this person jump kind of, I think zip lined from building to building and yeah. did it from three different shots and made it just incredibly realistic and without CG. Yeah. And it's that kind yeah. of creativity that I love to see. I, I feel like that's almost uh, uh, the direction I would rather go in, especially with, Things like uh, Star Wars, I always thought the the handmade models read better as right. than the CG, and they hold up better. So yeah. I don't know how much uh, how much CG time it takes versus model making, but there's something to be said for the handmade approach. I think it's probably more time consuming, but less expensive would be my guess. But... Yeah. It would be like, do you have a bunch of passionate fans willing to donate time? 
can't, you can't really build a, a business model off of that. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, it would. It, but you see these fan-made films, so maybe there's yeah. enough out there that you could uh, basically crowdsource your film. Uh, some of the, the effects be one way to get it off the ground. All right, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and hop into my next pick here, so we can get it. rolling. Um, and uh, this one. I have I've had a hard time pairing a director with the game. I think the game would be very interesting, but it's um, it's based on a comic series. I'll just go ahead and take the pick. I'm taking The Wolf Among Us here. Um, based on a comic series, the video game was made by Telltale and was a prequel to the comic series. And it is set in a world um, that is like a film noir world, but it's based around classic fairy tales. So you're the main character that you play as is Big B, who's a werewolf. He's the big bad wolf and he's the sheriff of the town and he is trying to solve a murder mystery. And there's a mix of human characters like um, uh, that are that are all based on fairy tale creatures and also just straight up fairy tale creatures. So there might be like a big monster or a talking frog or something that you interact with. And then at the same time, you're interacting with, um, you know, someone who represents Little Red Riding Hood. Like Little Red Riding Hood is um, the love interest of the, the big bad wolf in, in the game. Um, and so uh, it's, it's super interesting, but I was torn between, right? Are you leaning into someone who's done like film noir detective kind of stuff before or someone who's done... Uh, sort of like costume and creative work with like the fantasy beings, right? Um, because people don't tend to play in both of those fields. Uh, and so what the person I landed on was Guillermo del Toro, um, who I think some of the stuff in like Hellboy is not definitely not noir, but um, you know, he's done some stuff with like narration and uh, some stuff that would would lend itself decently to kind of the film noir setting. So I feel like he could handle it. And he, more than a lot of, you know, directors working today, would have a lot of fun developing the look of the various characters for the game. And it's kind of a highly stylized game as well. So I think visually he would pair well with it um, and could could tell an interesting detective story. Uh, which is not something he's really done, right? He's done like some action or fantasy stuff. Um, maybe Shape of Water, which is obviously a romance, but it might be like the closest to what we would be looking at here. Uh -huh. uh, but I think it would be an interesting new direction for him that still allows him to apply some of his strengths into it. So that's what I'm going with. I think that this is a director whose whose vision is so recognizable that uh -huh. it's going to make for an interesting film, almost whatever you put him into. And mm -hmm. I think you've chosen something with, with enough room for him to reimagine all these characters and put his own spin on it. This is not a steal for me, but I wanted to use him for uh, the game Undertale, but doing oh, research, yeah. it looks like it's, it's either exists as uh an anime or is going to very soon be a movie. So I, I struck that from my list, but it, the plot of that read very much like Pan's Labyrinth to me. It, Undertale is very interesting. 
because it is it's extremely meta like the entire thing is a deconstruction of the way you operate in video games Mm-hmm. with the core element being like right when you play a normal video game you just fight a bunch of monsters and kill them to level up and mm-hmm. the entire sort of plot is based around your decision to do that or your decision to like avoid battles like dramatically changes the plot and it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. to describe it but um i feel like any undertale movie that was just a straight like adaptation of the plot would not be very interesting but so i think something like an anime where you could figure out a different way to play around with it would be um mm-hmm. would be interesting but like literally like the save feature in the game is a plot point in undertale like just the fact of saving your game ends up being a <laughs> thing that gets referenced by characters and stuff so it's it's very meta but very interesting so um still on guillermo for me okay um, I'm not going to talk about the game because I might still take the game. Okay. But um, this Wolf Among Us, what's the uh, the visuals of this? Because it looks almost cartoony. It's it's cell shaded. Okay. You're aware of? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I am not, but I can see the picture, so I now I know that it's cell shaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I- interesting for a modern game to look like that, is it not? Um, it's pretty. It's pretty rare. Telltale. Uh, which sadly no longer exists um, did a lot of this. Like they did the walking dead, the story-based walking dead games oh, that are also extremely right. good. Yeah. And they do this style. Yeah. Um, it, this style, it, it is a little cartoony. It's um, it's quicker. I think on the production side, um, I'm not as super knowledgeable about how it's done, but I know it's, it's a little bit cheaper and it's easier for like systems to process and things. It's right. not as detailed as uh, a lot of the modern rendering for games um but it it can make uh it, it used to be like a thing people would do just to be cheap and then people especially telltale figured out how to make it look visually very interesting mm-hmm. while hanging on to those other advantages if you do it right it can read more like comics or animation yes yeah and I, that's that's where I'm seeing it. I just saw an, an ad because now I'm getting ads for all these games after doing today's research. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, it was an advertisement for a new Dragon Ball Z game, and it's using cell shading because it translates. It, it reads much more like the show mm-hmm. that way. Hmm. Well, interesting, interesting game. I never heard of it. You got my director. So there's two of my directors off the board. You guys are making this a little difficult. I thought y'all be all of, I thought y'all all be all about Peter Jackson. That's why I took him first. Actually, <laughs> well, he, like, I like the games, like the games I thought were bigger. I did not have as like the directors that I wanted the most. Like the directors I have the most are for games I think I could have waited for. So mm, interesting. I saw Peter Jackson for basically all fantasy games that's yeah (laughs) so that makes sense all right cameron what you got here all right i'm gonna use a little inspiration uh i'm gonna take george miller Mm. all right uh uh, i think uh, michael you talked about for yeah yeah um i I mentioned that uh for we were talking about the uh a character that has very little dialogue like Link. yeah there you go 
So I'm going to take George Miller um, mostly because of his work on Bay Pig in the City. Obviously. Uh, Classic. You know, yeah. Now, his Mad Max stuff, uh, I'm going to tap into that for a, a big kind of a scenery type movie, long stretches of landscapes. I'm going with a Western. I'm going with Red Dead Redemption. I think that is a, a clear uh, f- uh, reincarnation of Mad Max. And I think uh, George Miller, based on his experience, especially with his success of Fury Road, I think Red Dead Redemption would really just be a repackaged form of that movie um, and a recipe for success. This was this was on my short list of options. How short? Uh, not maybe not top five, mm. but it's one of those games that people rave about, right? And so it's it's one that uh, and it's a western. Yeah, you know, it's it's its own genre. Now I think this pairing makes sense now that you talk about his kind of featuring of the Australian desert. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that could. That could be useful for Western. I thought you were actually going to go a different direction with this uh, after your, your previous discussion of, uh, of, I think it was for Halo, maybe. So, intriguing. You thought I was going to go George Miller for Halo? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Different director. Different game. I'm not going to say. Okay. No, director. Okay. But, uh, but I'm not going to say in case... <laughs> I'm able to pull them for something else. So. Okay. So. Same. All right. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I mean, George Miller um, doesn't have a deep back catalog because he's a guy who like just randomly took a lot of time off and then just came back and made one of the greatest movies of all time, which yeah. is just insane that he was like, "I'm going to do Happy Feet and Babe." And then I'm going to do nothing for like a decade. And then I'm just going to come back with Mad Max Fury Road. I yeah. just such a fascinating career arc. But um, uh, yeah, I thought you were joking. He made no, Babe. No. Yeah, yeah. And Happy Feet. Yeah. Did he make Babe 2? Yes, I know he did. Yep. Hang on. So Babe 2 Pig in the City is one of the trippiest ex- movie experiences I have ever had. <laughs> Just that's one of the weirdest things. So he, he only made Babe Pig in the City. He made both Happy Feats. Uh, and he also oh made, he also directed Lorenzo's Oil. Yep. <laughs> you are blowing my mind right now. Yeah. He, he it's is one all of the over the place. Careers. <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I mean, Red Dead Redemption, um, more of a straight Western than what you get in like mad max right uh but um you know as as we're seeing george miller gonna be comfortable uh working in anything and can clearly do what you want out of a video game movie which is like giant spectacle action right right i think yeah. there'll be there'll be some very interesting shootouts in this one all right um, go ahead mike okay now paul i might need some assistance here again with uh, describing plot. <laughs> uh, I'm counting. I'm trying to figure out. Gosh, I've got uh, I've got too many picks that I want to make. 
I feel like this one makes a lot of sense visually from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a stronger pairing. So I'm going to take Metal Gear Solid here. So what, what kind of drew me in, uh, they described this as being a game about uh, espionage, conspiracy, and having a lot of emotion involved in mm-hmm. the story arc. And that kind of made, made me uh, go to this one specific movie that I've seen. Uh, there's a lot of action in this. There's a lot of uh, kind of high-tech gear weaponry. So I'm actually going to go with an animated movie, and I'm going to take Oshi Mamoru. And that is the director for Ghost in the Shell, the original movie from 95. And uh, if you've seen this, the, the visuals are just outstanding. And the Ghost in the Shell series is really great at covering political and uh, a lot really, really complex story arcs. And so I feel like this director could interweave uh, all of the plot lines in Metal Gear and make something that's coherent and uh, really visually entertaining as well. Uh, Yeah, you... (laughs) Uh, you you don't realize, uh, having not played the games, how big of a task making it into something coherent is. Um, and I mean, well, that's I'll, what yeah, that's what I heard is that you basically have to pick a snippet to focus yes. on. <laughs> uh, it it is. I mean, it's one of my favorite game series of all times. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, which is like this fun sort of '80s kind of flashback. Um, sort of thing is uh, in probably my top five favorite games of all time. Um, so I love the series, but it is so Hideo Kojima, who's the guy who directed it. And now mm-hmm. he um, he no longer works at a major studio. He now has his own studio where he doesn't have any like regulations put on him. And so he just made a game that is the most insane thing. Uh, but uh, he worked in a lot of insanity into Metal Gear Solid, but it has some pretty interesting stuff and also like a good sense of humor. Like in the first game, um, there's a psychic boss that attacks you and he can read your movements. So he'll block all of your attacks. And the way you have to defeat him is by unplugging your controller from port one and plugging it into port two. And then he'll be like, I That's can't funny. read your mind. What's happening? And then you can just shoot him and take him out. Um, As a player, how do you figure that out? There's like hints in the game and stuff. Word of mouth. You're <laughs> kidding. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so but- as a game designer, that's something that I would love to employ things to frustrate players. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's, I mean, the plot is like multiple government conspiracies deep and there's clones and uh like there's people who have been like experimented on so they have like weird powers and there's like people who uh have you know been around since like the 80s and somehow involved in every single one of these big government like it's it's deep and one that is um been also in development hell for a long time although it looks like it's finally going to get made 
with Oscar Isaac as Solid Snake, which I think is a good pick. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what it ends up looking like. But the guy who's directing it um, is the guy who directed Kong Skull Island. Uh, Ooh, I, I liked Kong Skull Island. Now, yeah. Paul, so this is greenlit. This is, does it have a date on it yet? It's in, it's been in pre production for a long time. No date associated yeah it says tpd on it yeah man i almost want to withdraw this pick though no it's 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 definitely not a sure thing it's everything is so jordan vaught roberts the guy directing it has put out like he basically has just said i think it's going really well and then the rumor is that oscar isaac will play solid snake but they haven't even officially confirmed that so it still exists very much in the ether i think it's still fine as a pick here it, it's no more in locked in than halo right like halo and other things that are being discussed um i think it's always being discussed because it's a big property and it's like a spy property so it seems like it would lend itself more directly than like you know sonic the hedgehog or something it ended up lending itself to a film um so i don't think there's an issue with taking it Okay. The way that you described the various plot points, that's very much what Ghost in the Shell is. There's a ton of stuff going on. And the movie focused on a small aspect of it, and then they expanded on that with the show later. So mm -hmm. that that could be maybe the, the arc for this. But I just think uh, Oshii handled it really beautifully. And if you saw those kinds of visuals with solid snake i feel like that'd be amazing i think i've seen part of the movie the 95 movie but none of the series um and i it's not that i like stopped watching it i think i like was watching it out somewhere and got interrupted you know i didn't get to finish it but um, it definitely looks really cool i've only encountered it on tv on the sci-fi channel that makes that the only place that i've ever seen it play all right. Well, shall we uh, shall we recap and then move along to the third round here? Sure. I'll kick it off then. Um, my team so far, I have got Shadow of the Colossus, directed by Alfonso Coron, Bioshock, directed by Bong Joon Ho, and The Wolf Among Us, directed by Guillermo del Toro. And I have Zelda by Peter Jackson, Halo by Neil Blomkamp, Red Dead Redemption by George Miller. Michael here, and so far I've got Metroid, directed by Ridley Scott, Mass Effect, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and Metal Gear Solid, directed by Oshii Mamoru. All right, well, Mike, you get your fourth of fifth here. It sounds like you've still got a lot of options left. I do, and so it's it's a it's a matter of whittling them down. I think that I know what I have to go with for my fifth pick. Um, I I feel confident that neither of you is going to pick it. If you do pick it, I will be absolutely devastated because I've done the most <laughs> research for the for the director. But I'm going to hold off on it. Okay, so risky. I am going to go with a 
maybe lesser known game, but one that sounded really intriguing to me. And Paul, you let me know if you've heard of it, but I'm going to pick Beyond Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this one? Yes. Yeah. I haven't played it, but um, I know of it. So this one, it stars a female protagonist named Jade, and she's an uh, investigative reporter, but it's set in space and people, uh, at least in the video that I watched, they related it to other fun sci-fi adventure movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. And they said it's fun and colorful and it's a, a really solid sci-fi, but there is this kind of threat that feels credible. So she's investigating this galaxy-wide conspiracy. And there's a motley crew of aliens uh, that she's paired up with. And I feel like we have seen a lot of uh, excellent team movies lately. And with aliens, I feel like you can, you can uh, develop them to look how you want, uh, to kind of fit their characteristics and personalities really well. But I saw a movie that uh, did this pretty well, assembled a team with a strong female lead. I'm going to take Kathy Yan for the director, director of Birds of Prey. Now, this was her first big budget movie, but I was very impressed and I thought that the action was really solid. Jade, the protagonist here, has martial arts skills, so there will be some, some fighting in it. Uh, and then I think that uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with the creatures, the aliens in the movie. Yeah, so the protagonist of this one's an investigative reporter. So it's pretty unique um, in terms of a lot of, you know, stuff that gets adapted as video games. You're like either just straight action or usually it's like a space Marine, right? Or like a soldier. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so having uh, one as a reporter is an interesting way to kind of mix things up. And interesting, your lineup is, uh, you know, I could see like a studio rolling out your lineup so mm-hmm. far, Michael, because it's very consistently... Uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid isn't sci isn't really like space faring sci-fi, but I mean, they've got like nanobot machines that do a lot of stuff and things like that, that mm-hmm. make it pretty sci-fi. So you've definitely like, I, you could, I could see this being like one studio that's like buying up the rights to films that work really well in like this genre that they like to play around mm-hmm. in. Well, once you develop the 3d components for, various technology use them for all your movies there you go (laughs) (laughs) i spend time redesigning everything so maybe they can have similar components for ships and things i like it i like it interesting pick i've never heard of the game i haven't seen birds of prey um i'm kind of (laughs) curious yeah right there's two suicide squads and then there's birds of prey Mm -hmm. do i need can I watch, do I have to watch all those? Or I need to watch them in an order. You do not need no. to watch the first Suicide Squad at all, ever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just ignore that. No. Uh, Birds of Prey is less gory than 
Second Suicide Squad, both are pretty good team movies. I heard the second one was really good. It is. I liked it a lot. Um, I would recommend it. It's entertaining. And I haven't watched Birds of Prey. It's on my list to get to, but um, I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's not what I thought it was going to be at all. You know, I thought uh, typical superhero team up. That's not mm-hmm. really how the plot plays out. Okay. Interesting. Well, interesting pick, Kathy Yan, fresh director. So um, don't have much here. The game sounds interesting, though. Like Paul said, not your typical leading person. So that's kind of cool. All right, Cameron, what uh, what do you got lined up here now? Hey, uh, just a tight, uh, small deviation here. Uh, how was your birthday, Michael? It was very good, and it was made better thanks to Cameron and Holly. Uh, I got a, a cool uh, delivery on my doorstep, and I was like, what is this? And Madeline didn't know what it was, and that's unusual. So uh, <laughs> opened it up, and it was even wrapped within the box. Oh, was it really? Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's, that. that's something I don't encounter. And uh it is going to maybe be helpful for that uh, New Year's resolution I made <laughs> regarding uh, uh, woodblock print or, or linoleum, linocut, linocut print. That's right. That's right. So there are a bunch of really amazing uh, Celtic patterns. It's, it's uh, Dover Publications. I've been following them for years, but they collect basically... Uh, uh, things that you could copy and paste or, you know, cut out and actually paste uh, for graphic design uh, in the literal sense. But now we have everything digital. So uh, they're an interesting company and uh, they still put out books. So I like them. And this was like uh, Celtic things. So there's a few things in there that I, I would like to translate to possible prints. Well, cool. So look Glad for that on the horizon, gentlemen. Excellent. And Paul, your Celtic drawing is just so good. I didn't get you the book. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I spent a lot of time developing it. So understandable. Yeah. All right. Uh, glad to hear. I wanted, I, I, I had to guess your address. I like, I think, I think I know it. <laughs> so I was like, I hope he got it or somebody on the street <laughs> has a Celtic design book. It says happy birthday. Um, all right. I'm going with the game that Paul, I think you play because I remember showing up to the poll and right. you're you were like finishing the game. Uh, I don't know if the game is something super special, but it is something unlike a lot of the ones we have here on the board. Uh, it is set in the real world. I think maybe I'm a little more like that with Red Dead Redemption, but um, it's set grounded a little more in reality. So this is not going to be a fantasy or science fiction movie. Uh, this is going to be, but it's going to be a, a period piece. because That's what I like. So I'm going to, I'm going to tap Ryan Johnson to uh, helm a film based on the game LA Noir. So I'm tapping Ryan Johnson for two movies. He's done Looper, which is a bit of a uh, slow, thoughtful gangster film. And then, brick and if you haven't seen brick i highly recommend it it is a modern noir film uh with jgl 
that uh, is really good. So it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in both those movies. So I don't know if there's a kind of a, a working relationship there, but uh, Brick, very noirish, uh, really. If you like a noir in a modern setting, that's a great movie to watch. And then Looper, I've only seen it once, but I really liked it, and I think that is you know similar in the gangster. Uh, you know, genre. So that's why I'm going to have uh, Ryan Johnson do L.A. Noir. I did not realize he's attached to both of those titles. I've seen both of those movies. Yeah. Is there a part that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt could play in L.A. Noir? Yeah, I think the gentleman is um, Nathan Noir is the main character. That's why they call it L.A. Noir. No, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, L.A. Noir is uh, uh, maybe one of the most unintentionally funny games of all time. So it, it's a detective game, and it they, what they did was um, it was the first time they they made a big deal out of this new technology for scanning an actor's face and putting it into the game. Mm. So the entire mechanic of the game, there's like some shooting and driving and stuff, but the main mechanic of the game is you as the detective would be talking to someone and they would make a facial expression and you would have to guess whether they were telling the truth based on their facial expression plus evidence that you'd acquired. And there was a series of um, responses you could give, right? So like they would say something and you could either trust them doubt them or like accuse them of lying right there was like these default options but sometimes the response that your character would get would give would be so out of line from what you expected like they would say something and i would be like that kind of seems like they're stretching the truth i'm gonna push doubt so i could see if maybe you know i can get some more information out of them and so i'd hit doubt and then the detective would just be like you son of I can't believe you're trying to pass that off as the truth. What is like it just like start railing at him <laughs> and you just be like, all right, that was not that was not uh, doubt. That was you, you did not want to go to bad cop like immediately. <laughs> right. But that's what it would it would do. And so it it ends up uh with some pretty funny, but I I, 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 re- I remember that. I remember yeah. that you playing it and you'd be like doubt, and he'd like throw like the papers <laughs> off the desk and be all like, You gotta be kidding me. Nobody's yeah. going to believe that. We're going to fry you. Yeah. I have. I had completely forgotten about that gameplay until you described <laughs> Until you described that, Paul. I, I do remember you doing this. Uh, that's uh, interesting. Unique gameplay for sure. Yeah. But it's got a couple of um, big actors right associated with it. Aaron, Aaron Statton, who's also from Mad Men. Uh, played the lead detective and then uh, John Noble is in it. Um, always, always an interesting guy to have in something. But now, now Cameron, would it have been too on the nose to go with the director of LA confidential Curtis Hansen? <laughs> yeah, it would have been, it would have just okay. been LA confidential too, which I love LA confidential. So I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but you know, maybe may not have been uh, billed the best way, but yeah. I don't know. Okay. Actually, I had another director. I'll tell you my also rams that I, I really wanted, but then I stumbled upon Ryan Johnson. I was like, oh, this is perfect. So Brick is one of the you, you you've described it as a noir, but the lingo that they try to push in that movie, if you're not following along, it's like, 
what is he talking about? And uh, it, it feels very hmm, like an indie movie. And what do you mean do, by lingo? Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has all these uh, phrases that he uses and he explains them to someone at one point, but it's, it's basically code. It's got all these abbreviations. Oh, that he uses. yeah. I, I think he uses them in conversation. Uh, I can't remember, but it sounds like something directly from a 19, you know, that's, 40s. I, that, that's what I kind of took it as is like, you know, now we look at old noir films and they're using all this lingo mm-hmm. uh, that's so part of that setting that nostalgic setting and so to take a modern setting if you give them some sort of localized vernacular Mm -hmm. you should get the same the audience should get the same feeling as if they were watching you know a 40s detective show right it's some other vernacular the person says in such like a quick fashion it sounds like it should be something you know uh, Mm -hmm. but you're so removed from that time so it's kind of a, a, a interesting way to create a a neo-noir you know mm-hmm. in, in a modern film so that's interesting I, I didn't i didn't remember that it's almost like the shakespeare movie that they made uh that was set in modern times but used the old shakespearean with <laughs> leo yeah with leo and john leguizamo <laughs> it's a great movie man oh all right all well right, on paul. that note paul take us to number four all right, I've got a couple um, of options I, I had uh, considered here. I think I'm going to go um, with another one of my favorite series of all times that I think is also currently being worked into a movie, not out yet. Um, another one that I don't think they've released any real details on. Uh, I'm going to go with the Uncharted series. Um, Paul, I'm going to interrupt you here. Yeah, this movie. This movie is coming out in 2022. It's slated, yeah, yep. February 18th. It's, in, it's got it's a in, hard date. Yeah, it's in post production, and it stars. It's it's. I'm looking it up. Fleisch. It's Ruben yeah. Fleischer, it and is. he's he's made the Carnage movie. You're right. I knew it was coming out, uh, but it it was um, not out yet. I thought I could sneak it in there. All right, I'll go another pick. I am then going to switch to. Uh, I'm going to go the Fallout series here. Mm. Um, another game series I love a lot. I actually liked it a little bit better back when it was like a tactical based game, the first Fallout 1 and 2. Um, but the 3 is pretty fun still, and New Vegas is fun. Um, Post apocalyptic world that is uh, often very humorous, um, a lot of dark humor, right? There's a lot of stuff that is pretty bleak if you think about it too quickly, but they kind of layer over it with some humor um, in a way that makes it a little more palatable and interesting. Um, So uh, I felt like there's a lot of ways you can kind of go with this one, Um, but someone who I think would have an interesting visual style. um, I mean, George Miller would have been a good fit just for the Mad Max sort of style. Uh, People dress very Mad Max-like in this world. Um, so I think like the costuming and everything is going to be kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to go Alex Garland for fallout, uh, mm. ex machina annihilation, 28 days later, um, solid. I had considered him for Bioshock as well. Actually, he was sort of on my list for that. Um, so still on the list here, uh, but, um, super creative guy and really, 
Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of plots you could follow in the games. I think if you were going to make a Fallout movie, though, the thing with the Fallout games is each one takes place basically in a different vault. So you wouldn't even have to follow the stuff from an individual game. You could just set it in the universe and you could interact with characters like the Brotherhood of Steel or like the New Vegas crew and things like that that are um, uh, in the universe, but you don't have to pull all of the same characters, right? As You wouldn't have to go beat for beat, which would give a whole lot of freedom for the people putting the movie together to do whatever they want and just rely on people being familiar with the setting and then just play around in that setting. And so I think it'd be um, uh, a pretty fun, could be a pretty fun one. So Alex Garland for Fallout. I had considered him for a different video game, kind of similar aesthetic yeah. to, to Ex Machina. Now, let me let me run this by you. When they described Fallout in a video that I watched, they described it as being set in the future, but with retro, like 1950s styling. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so what would you think of Brad Bird? Uh, that's funny. I, I can pull this. Uh, I can pull this over. Uh, I had this pulled up on another tab. Brad Bird's IMDb. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love Brad Bird. Uh, my my pause with him is that he's only done animated stuff, um, uh -huh. and so well, I wasn't. I, sure. I thought it could be animated. Yeah, it, you could do something animated. I think um, Fallout is maybe a little a little too dark mm -hmm. for stuff Bird's done before. I don't know if he'd necessarily be as comfortable branching out into something like that. Um, now the it's the fifties aesthetic is based on the fact that like in the universe, right. Uh, during the cold war or, or during like the uh, pre cold war era, even like a, a nuclear war starts and people go into bunkers. So they're going into the bunkers in like the sixties and then coming out far into the future after the world has been destroyed. And so you've got like kids who think like greaser biker gangs are awesome because that's like yeah. the media they have to consume. So there's a group of guys called like the tunnel snakes in one game who are literally like greasers. Um, and then you come out into the world and there's like mutated ghouls who have like trees growing out of their heads and like giant Ooh. scorpions and stuff. Um, and it's, it gets pretty gory at times um, as well. So I, I wanted someone who could, uh, sort of bridge. I, 28 days later has some, it, not really humor, but um, it's got some uh, scenes that'll do that where it's like super dark, but kind of covers over it with uh, stylistically to make it not seem not quite as gruesome. Um, and so Alex felt like a, felt like a good fit there. I'm glad we got fallout. It's a cool world. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's more movie, possible than some of the other movies some of the other mm -hmm. games we have on here so i think uh interesting pick with alex garland i i was kind of shopping his name around couldn't really land anywhere but i like i like his work so far so that's uh that's was he 28 weeks or 28 days uh days i believe days okay yeah 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 i'm with you okay yeah no that's a that's a good one do y'all remember the movie blast from the past heck yeah, yeah. brendan frazier so it's it's interesting that that's a very different direction that 
<laughs> you know, so fallout sounds like bombs actually went off and everything occurred. So mm-hmm. they were right to go into the bomb shelters. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. The world is definitely destroyed. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to, to, uh, again, I'm, I'm very low prep on this one. So I'm, uh, trying you to land still got, on You still got, um, George Lucas is out there. George um, Lucas is out there. George the Lucas. issue, the issue is I have, uh, more directors I think left than I have games that I think would make a great adaptation. Um, because a lot of my favorite games would make terrible adaptations. Like, uh, Chrono Trigger would not make a good, um, good. So I'm, I'm. Oh, it wouldn't, Paul. Hmm, good to know. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, you could I, you could do anything good eventually, but I I don't think it would lend itself well. So what I would like to pull from here, and there there's some other more modern games that I know people um, would really like to see adapted into a movie but there's a point in time uh (laughs) coinciding with uh graduating as an undergraduate where my gaming really dropped off and so there's a lot of the more modern ones um that i can see the argument for but i just haven't played enough of um but i what i really want to do is pull from my favorite uh kind of genre here um, which is old school adventure games, like the old school Lucasfilm adventure games. And uh, I don't have um, a real sci-fi one here. So I'm going to go Space Quest. Space Quest was a series of games put out by LucasArts that is uh, comedic. And it's kind of poking fun at like old Star Trek stuff or old sci-fi stuff. Um, the games star uh, Roger Wilco, who is a space janitor. Um, the subtitle of the first game is In Space, No One Can Hear You Clean. Um, and he uh, escapes an alien attack on a ship, and then the aliens um, end up kind of uh, chasing him um, for various reasons. And he ends up throughout the series going on a lot of various adventures. Um, so that is the game I want, but I'm, I'm, uh, a different type of director than what we've been kind of tapping. Yeah. And so that's where I'm struggling is, um, which actor to put in there. Um, now I think you can still work in some fun action beats. There's definitely some big, um, sort of action characters and i should say um i've i've thought about casting actually for a a space quest movie before and i think alan tudyk would make a great roger wilco uh janitor here so i'm I'm hoping we can get alan involved as roger uh how about uh, how about james gunn i honestly james gunn was up there for this one um and i i um yeah i'll pull the i'll pull the trigger on james gunn there's there's I'll, I'll... <laughs> you'll pull the trigger on james gunn. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's very, very um, comedic based, but there are some fun aliens. Like there's in the, in the fifth, no, the, yeah, the fifth space quest, you end up uh, becoming the captain of a ship and you have uh, two alien sidekicks on your crew. And one of them is basically like um, uh, your stereotypical, like woman from New Jersey uh, who's, who's running the comms and she just constantly like sassing you about stuff and things like that. But um, in an alien, uh, it, it, you know, an alien form. Um, and so uh, it would not be um, the, the reason I was a little hesitant on James Gunn is it's definitely not going to lend itself to like some of the gore. It's not going to be suicide squad like two or the the suicide squad kind of level stuff in terms of like gore and things on the action wouldn't be as action heavy as some of the other stuff he's been doing recently, but you could work in some fun, right? Roger Wilco's not going to fight someone. He's going to bumble out of the way and end up tripping something that then triggers something else that then squashes the bad guy accidentally kind of thing. So kind um, of a Mr. Bean. <laughs> almost like sort of that style. So there was a, there's a couple I, I was kind of lingering, but um, I think what James Gunn would do well out is the humor. He would play around with the aliens, various alien species pretty interestingly. And it, it's very sarcastic. And so I think James Gunn would play well in the um, sort of sarcastic realm here with that. So uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go with James Gunn. I have not heard of this game. I am sold just on the tagline alone. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it, it kind of yeah the 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 game doesn't sound like something I would play, but it it in a movie form sounds really cool, right? I'm getting elements of uh, Galaxy Quest mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, the Orville, you know, mm-hmm. which I think are both great, yeah. far better than most Star Trek and Star Wars. So, um, I'm 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 sold. I would love comedy sci-fi is such an untapped genre so uh i think anything that kind of fleshes that out is is a go picture for me your description of it too being about the janice janitor it makes me think of fry philip j fry Mm -hmm. oh yeah futurama Futurama, and then and then you described your actor pick alan tudyk is the human embodiment of fry That right? is true. That he is looks true. just yeah. like it. So I feel like we're on the same page there visualizing this character. Right? Yeah. I mean, he was the he was the co- comedic foil in uh Firefly? Serenity Firefly yeah. and Rogue One. Yep. Plus check out the cool like gray vest, purple sleeve. Oh man, dude, that is a Halloween costume. If I had a head of blonde hair, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of funny stuff. Like there's when before you become a captain, you have to pass like uh basically like Starfleet Academy, and you have to do it by uh cheating off of the person taking the exam next to you in a way that the teacher and the person don't notice. Or in the fourth game, you need something to like a battery to power something. And it's set super far in the future and you end up finding the Energizer Bunny. I think I brought this up when we did the advertising episode. Hmm. You have to like catch the Energizer Bunny, which is still going hundreds of years into the future and take the batteries out of it to use for something else. So it's a a, a consistently hilarious franchise and one that I grew up playing 
with my grandmother. We like played the games together um, uh, on computer. And so it's one that uh, has always been super nostalgic for me and I think would be a good mix of, of sci-fi and comedy. I think this sounds incredibly fun, Paul. I love it. Best pick so far. I want right. that movie. Well, Cameron, let's see if you can top it. No, I cannot. Cannot top it. I don't I don't have like this well of <laughs> games to go to. Um, so I want to go with a game everybody's heard of. Um, uh, I am going to take uh, Antoine Fuqua as my okay. director, right? And uh, I'm sorry, I don't have his uh, filmography pulled up, but I know he did Training Day. Uh, let me see here. Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, Shooter, Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus yep. Has Fallen, The Equalizer, uh, Equalizer 2, you know, that kind of stuff. Hey. Um, uh, if you Google him, for some reason, the first photo that comes up is Jake Gyllenhaal, and then the rest are photos of him. What? Yeah, I don't see. I don't think he's in any of these movies, so I'm not sure. Google, like, what are you doing? Oh, oh yeah, he's I, in I, an I, upcoming movie, so oh, okay. it's like a side by side picture. Uh, <laughs> okay, but That's it's weird so that weird. it's the first thing that shows up. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna tap him right in another kind of more grounded in reality movie mm-hmm. uh and i'm really typing uh tagging uh training day here brooklyn's finest maybe a little bit of equalizer and i'm gonna go with grand theft auto and i don't really know the story i don't really know the plot now the game's originally kind of a real just from a naming standpoint it's a knockoff of a movie from the 70s mm-hmm. uh that's what i was reading but uh that you know i think we're going movie from a game so because the movie was before the game um it's still up for grabs so grand theft auto i don't really know the story i'm thinking some form of like gone in 60 seconds but something else so uh something where you need to break some laws but maybe for a a decent cause helmed by antoine fuqua which training day one of my favorite films i love that film i'll watch it anytime i find it on and, uh, you know, I like the equalizer. I liked Olympus has fallen. Um, you know, I can do without tears of the sun and King Arthur. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, the grand theft auto games, um, like there's a, like they're huge games. So there's a lot that go into them. I would guess, um, if you were asking people which one they want turned into a movie, it would be grand theft auto San Andreas which is um, the most, I think it's the most recent one. And that seems to be the one, there's like three plot lines that intersect and um, uh, your various like criminals engage in different criminal activities and like you have to pull off heists and, and things like that. Um, I actually had this on my, on my short list, like the Grand Theft Auto series. For me, the last Grand Theft Auto game I played extensively was Grand Theft Auto Vice City which is sort of uh, like a Miami Vice inspired like beach town. And the the greatest thing about that was the in-game radio had -hmm. different radio stations that were all just like 80s classic stuff. So like one was like 80s classic rock or 80s pop. And um, I actually bought, I had like a huge disc set of the soundtrack. It was like eight CDs of all the different radio stations that have these really funny... Um, so I had thought like a Vice City movie, 
with Michael Bay directing specifically oh, because of pain and gain, right? Okay. Like not okay. like the Transformers kind of stuff, but the pain and gain feel lends itself to the Vice City game particularly. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Antoine Fuqua would would definitely make a great sort of criminal underworld movie out of it um, that would be a little more serious. So I got three things to say. Good news and bad news, Paul. Good news. Vice City is also my favorite of the Grand nice. Theft Autos. I just love the look of that, you know, Miami South Beach kind of yeah. uh, uh, Tony, you know, Montana drug king kind of look that they have here. Bad news is you are way behind, man. San Andreas. Yeah, that, that was 17 years ago. Uh, so uh, there have been two full games since then. Now they don't name them. They're just called um, four and five. So they okay. go three, three, which was like the breakout three and yeah. Vice city, San Andreas. Then they just went to four, then to five. So anyway, Maybe I'm thinking of five is the one, uh, one of them. I thought it was San Andreas, but maybe it was five. There's a meme that has taken off. That's from the game where it's um, a, a guy walking down an alley and his dialogue is just saying, Oh, here we go again and then people will just tweet that as like a meme response to things kind oh. of like it's it's a it's a common one okay um but yeah. um you said you were thinking of, of, of making a movie um what was i gonna say i i lost it but i like i like vice city um as well oh i remember when are we gonna get period films from the 80s you know, oh, like the '70s mm-hmm. is always rich, especially with crime, yeah, uh, stuff related. Um, I '70s, '60s, but like nobody wants to. And, and I feel like now we're making movies set in the '90s. Yeah, uh, and so I'm like, what happened? Is nobody? Is, is there nobody that wants to make movies set in the '80s? I haven't uh-huh. seen it, but was Wolf of Wall Street set in that time period? Uh, I feel like hot, you see Hot Tub Time I, Machine was. I feel like you see. Uh, yeah, so it's Back to the Future. Right? That you? era of Wall Street depicted in in movies. Uh, they they like to show that. Yeah, like American um, American Psycho is is eighties. American Hustle is set in the eighties, isn't it? Um, uh, I, I thought that one was late seventies. Is that know. late seventies? It says it says um, Wolf of Wall Street. It really starts in the early nineties when he starts his company. Oh, it does. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. So yeah, yeah. Hus- Hustle is seventies and eighties through the time okay. period. Okay. So it, okay, it gets there. there. It gets All there. Right. So maybe we're moving in on it. Nobody wants it just in the 80s. Like you can only start there and flow into the 90s, or you can you know go in there from the yeah. 70s. So. Has there has there been one that's just straight set in the 90s? Um that's not I'm trying to think some that'll be partially in the I guess um Captain Marvel was 90s. Captain Marvel. I feel like it's, there was another one. Yeah. Um Oh, uh, True Detective season two. That was in the eighties. <laughs> well, for this one, I saw some recommendations. Uh, I've I've not played this game. They said that there are so many different paths you could take it. They thought the crazy action in it could be helmed well by someone that has directed the Fast series, like mm, Justin Lin. Justin Lin. I can see that. Yeah. Justin Lin, I thought about for Space Quest 2 because of uh, Star Trek Beyond, which is mm. pretty jokey for a Star Trek movie, yeah. but still yeah. pretty 
action heavy. I'm super excited for the, the Star Trek animation that's going to be out on Nickelodeon. It looks oh, beautiful. I haven't heard about that. Hmm, I haven't seen it. It's a it's a 3D CG show. Yeah. And it's it's not trying to look super realistic, but they've uh, done a lot of really nice shading on the characters. Oh, and is it Star uh, Trek? I think the main character's uh, alien. Star Trek Prodigy? Prodigy, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Interesting. Is it is it not uh oh, this is definitely a big tangent. Is it not set in like Starfleet? They're not wearing it's, uniforms. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't look like it is. They just look like aliens. I, th- I think maybe they are going to get roped into the Starfleet. It stars mm-hmm. Kate Mulgrew, who was yeah, Kat, she's, Kat back as, she's back maybe as Janeway. Like a band- yeah, Kate Mulgrew yeah. reprises her role as Janeway. Maybe they're like a band of misfits. Oh, it says after the events of Star Trek Voyager, a motley crew of young aliens in the Delta Quadrant. Find an abandoned Starfleet ship. Taking control of the ship, they must learn to work together to make their way towards the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, interesting. Nice. It's kind of like a. That's interesting. I'm in for that. Jason Manzukis in it. And, hey, John Noble showing up again. Jimmy Simpson. Big names. It's coming soon, right? We'll launch in 2021 as part of producer Alex. Oh, Alex Kurtzman's doing it. Yeah, he's, do, he's doing every. He's like he's like I don't know what his role is, but he is like the the yeah. producer uh, of all things Star Trek right now. October twenty eighth on Paramount Plus, a subscription service I already have. Digging it, nice, <laughs> nice. Not going to be on up. some weird Nickelodeon streaming service. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no, specific. I'm, I'm waiting for Picard season two to get it for a month. That's what I'm yeah. waiting for. All right, Mike, go ahead. Okay, so for this last one, I like to close out with a wild card. And you commented how my first picks seem like they could all be within a, a single studio. This one, it's still got some elements of science fiction, but they are, are I think, much less a part of the visuals of the story. And when I read the plot for this, I thought comedy and that plus the cutscenes that I saw with some really over the top acting by real life actors. We've got JK Simmons, Tim Curry, George Takei as leaders of three factions. I'm taking command and conquer for my last. Oh, you know what? I'm kicking myself. Sunday, when I was just brainstorming, I thought about Command and Conquer, and I have not thought about it since. But I want you, gosh, you good pick, good pick. So, the things that I saw, it seems so hokey, but uh, I love that they had actual actors involved. And uh, the, the premise is that we've got a time machine, Einstein goes back and kills Hitler in order to stop World War II from happening. But what they don't intend is that the Soviet Union is now this massive superpower and they take over Europe. So that's my understanding of the plot of the game. So now we're dealing basically uh, with Cold War times and it sounds really goofy and funny based on 
the clips that I've seen. So with that in mind, I'm going to take not one director, but a group of directors that are from the Cold War era and made some fantastic comedy. So I'm going to take Zucker, Abrams and Zucker for the director of this. What did and they make? They're, so they're known for uh, airplane, airplane and Top uh, Secret. Right. Top Secret yeah. is yeah. mainly what I want them for because uh, that movie starring Val Kilmer and Lucy Gutridge, uh, Gutteridge, it's about a guy trying to rescue a scientist from East Germany. And it's so goofy and funny, just a really wacky comedy. And I feel like they can handle this material and make it something really entertaining and uh, accommodate the video game in a kind of a loose and funny way. Man, Mike, you are lucky. I, I almost stole this, but I just, I zoned out today. Cause honestly, I came to this draft going, I don't even think I'm going to participate. I don't know enough, but yesterday I remember it was kind of like, Oh, command and conquer. One of the few games. Cause I used to play real time strategy. It was kind of my exclusive mode of gameplay. So I've played almost all the command and conquers. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty well versed in it. I do remember what I was thinking about it. It's like, how do you really make that into a game, right? A real real time strategy game. Um, so is it just using the command and conquer label? Because the game itself, right, has cutscenes, but that's not the actual gameplay. Right. And I I it's more of just the tone from the cutscenes is kind of what's driving my pick for these directors who, by the way, have a combined age of 221 years. Right, but what is the movie about? It would just be a war movie, right? Like a- Yeah, so it'll be like a, a spoofy spy movie. And so okay, you're, you're that, trying to undermine the Soviet Union. Right, but that's not what the game is. <laughs> What's the game about? It, it, you're, you're commanding armies. Okay. Well, mm. I mean, then you it'll be I mean? a it'll be a. I mean, yeah, but in, in, a I mean, in Mario, you you just are jumping on Goombas, and so no, I know. But I'm just saying, like the, the that was the why I there was the one hesitation I had was that right? It's an RTS game, so it's like yeah. how do you make an RTS game into a movie without just saying, oh, we just bought the rights to the name and we're gonna mm-hmm. slap it on the top and make a a movie? Um, I, I am kind of similar to like. Um, so have you ever seen the mouse that roared? You, no, have you, you seen you, it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, that's where uh, some small country declares war on the U.S., right? And then the U.S. just randomly surrenders, and so then... let me look it up because I think it's got a so it's a 1959 movie, but. It's a Cold War it's satirical. It's their movie. What's that? It's their movie. Oh, I don't know. I didn't know if you were saying they. No, 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 that. no. This is a. It's a Peter Sellers movie. Oh, okay. But it's it's a, it's a goofy, Cold War movie, and I believe there are scenes where you see military strategy happening. Well, that's know, what I'm saying. At the big table. You know and, how in 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 Battleship, there's the. Have you seen Battleship? I have not. There's Paul. Have you seen it? 
Uh, yeah, I've seen. <laughs> you know, there's 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 the one like five minute scene where they actually incorporate Battleship mm-hmm. into the movie. You have to do something like that where you're like you're in a war room and you have to like move pieces around or something that are having like real time effects on the battle or something like that. You have to sort of like put the game into the movie, especially since it's not a first person game. So unlike these other picks where you can just kind of have the character be it like there is no real character in the, in the game. So uh, to be honest, the cutscenes are literally meaningless. <laughs> they have nothing to do with the gameplay. <laughs> they are super entertaining though. Um mm-hmm. James Earl Jones, as you mentioned him, he's in some. Um, uh, so I, I don't really know. I remember playing the game at first. I was like, this is like a movie. Why are they showing like these these scenes with these actors? And then you just go to this like low res image of like your little base and you just move guys around. It has nothing to do with the the, the characters. So it's funny. Um, yeah, I, but I, I think you just you just do... You just have to show some scenes of them doing military strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it'll just be the generals of the military who are the main characters of the film. Yeah. Yeah. In the 1980s was rich for comedy uh, out of, out of kind of <laughs> like you, you've got comedies about military stripes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like if you had someone that was as captivating as the character actor Lloyd Bridges from Airplane mm-hmm. in the war room, we could do scenes back and forth from them telling mm-hmm. them what to do versus what's actually happening kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with and you. And have, have the comedy be driven that way. I'm with you. All right, let's wrap this up. We're way over time. Way over time. Uh, good old marathon episodes <laughs> and to be honest I, there's not much to cut there <laughs> i didn't i didn't write down a single timestamp. <laughs> why people pay us the big bucks hey if y'all if y'all don't want this two and a half hour episode please subscribe to our patreon and we'll give you the <laughs> the cut down version <laughs> uh, all right let's give it the old pitch here and now this, hey this is a this is a 12 second elevator ride by the way this is we're on the fast freight elevator <laughs> in the back uh, for this pitch. So uh, my team here, I've got a variety of uh, games in different settings with very different visual appeals. And then a bunch of actors like Alfonso Cuaron, Bong Joon-ho, Guillermo del Toro, um, Alex Garland and James Gunn, who are known for putting their spin visually on movies. So these are going to be five highly entertaining movies with some very different feels and some very strong visions from the directors. And Cameron here, this is uh, we're, we're billing this as your father's video game movies. Uh, somebody who you can take your father to the movies, right? We're talking Zelda, Halo, Red Dead Redemption, L.A. Noir, and Grand Theft Auto. Directors like Peter Jackson, Neil Blomkamp, George Miller, Ryan Johnson, and Antoine Fuqua. I've got kind of a mixed bag of your father's video games and, you know, maybe uh, your your brother's video games. But uh, we've got Metroid, directed by Ridley Scott. We've got Mass Effect, uh, helmed by Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve. And Metal Gear Solid, directed by the, uh, the director who did Ghost in the Shell. It's Oshii Mamoru. And Beyond, uh, Beyond Good and Evil, 
directed by Kathy Yan of Birds of Prey, and Command and Conquer, helmed by three directors, famously for uh, 80s comedies like Airplane. We've got Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. All right. Well, listeners, you tell us uh, which of these adaptations you would most like to see made into reality. You can vote via the links in the episode of this, uh, the description of this episode, not the episode of this description. Uh, you can also find that information at anchor.fm slash what's on draft. Vote on our social media pages. You can also email in, let us know what games we should have gone with instead of the ones we picked uh, or any other uh, sort of tips, advice you want to send us. Uh, also, you got a, a theme for an upcoming draft you'd like to see. You can send that in too. That's at what's on draft podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Please, uh, it would really help us if you could give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this episode. That helps us get into the algorithm and get out there to more people, more listeners. And uh, right, share this episode with your friends. If you're into video games, you got other friends into video games, let them uh, take a look uh, so we can get some more votes on um, on what people want to see. And we've got a pretty deep back catalog at this point of topics ranging uh, all over the place from movie themes all the way up to Christmas toys and uh, booby traps. So, you know, whatever you are looking at, uh, there's probably a draft that fits your interests. Uh, check some of those out in the back catalog. Uh, guys, let's say we just sort of, uh, I don't know, do we want to quickly mention any alternates here? Just sort of list them off. I know we've gone pretty long. I have just, I have two. Should take a second here. Uh, I was considering Martin Scorsese for LA Noir. Mm, bit bit okay. on the nose, but yeah, you know. Yeah. And then, Paul, I wanted Guillermo del Toro for God of War. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I thought he would have been good to, to build, to kind of work the art angle of, of that game. I had Castlevania as a possibility here, and it's a side scrolling game. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good Netflix anime for Castlevania. Oh, is there? Oh, yep. okay. Uh, I was thinking Taika Waititi could helm it, and uh, he's done Thor Ragnarok and mm-hmm. uh, What We Do in the Shadows. I thought that could be a pretty interesting mix. Make yeah. it, again, kind of funny hit parts. I think I'd watch anything Taika does at this point. So definitely into that um i uh there's several like big fantasy like big epic fantasy games Mm -hmm. um the dragon age series or skyrim uh would be like kind of huge undertakings uh you know peter jackson would have been the one really on the nose pick for those but i i i don't know i tried to think of someone who um wouldn't be quite uh, that on the nose. It didn't come up with a good pick that I liked. Um, so ended up not uh, kind of thinking of that. Then there's some kind of weirder detective adventure games like um, Heavy Rain or uh, there's one I can't remember the name now that's basically uh, a Twin Peaks. Uh, it tries to capture the vibe of like Twin Peaks. And so something Ooh, like that oh, would have been uh, kind of interesting to go with um, though they're more like horror game genre kind of things uh, so that would have been on the list but um, ended up not cracking my top five the other director I thought about really working in somewhere was Christopher McQuarrie 
um, director of the most recent Mission Impossible movies and The Usual Suspects. Um, so I kind of considered him for The Wolf Among Us or, or somewhere else, but um, didn't feel like he was the perfect fit because I didn't take a super action heavy movie. I mean, I have ones with like big epic action scenes, but not like spy thriller kind of action. So I just didn't have a great fit uh, for him there, but a big fan of what he's been doing with that edge of tomorrow. A lot of his stuff mm. recently has, has all been really good. Um, so yeah, it was on my list there. And I tried to think of um, uh, a um, like just a real story based game that I could fit in uh, Greta Gerwig who directed like the most recent little women um, adaptation. Oh. Uh, and there's some that people listed like life is strange as a good fit for her. Um, like sort of zero, very narrative based, zero action kind of games. Um, and I'm sure one of those might be a good fit, but the ones I saw people recommending her for, I just had not seen. So I wouldn't have been able to, um, sort of elaborate on why it would be a good pick. But, um, I feel like there's some sort of interesting pairing that she could be in. Cause I thought, um, uh, little women in particularly was made really well. Um, and, and she could have fit in somewhere. Nice. So that, that was, that was my alternates that I sort of brainstormed this afternoon. Cameron, the director that I thought you might consider because you mentioned Mandalorian was John Favreau. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you, maybe you'd, ring him for uh for red dead redemption that's mm-hmm. kind of what i was thinking yeah he's done such a good job with mandalorian um for alex gardner what i was considering or sorry alex garland um who directed ex machina i was thinking portal mm-hmm. yeah thought that would be a yeah. great fit for him good one the visuals just seemed really really close to ex machina yeah, I thought about Portal 2, but I had taken uh, GLaDOS for the Smash Brothers episode, so I decided not mm. to double up on Portal. The one that I thought you would pick uh, was Monkey Island, but maybe you mm, ruled yeah. that out for the same reason. Yes, yeah, it would have been in that um, uh, classic adventure series. And, you know, I, I just wanted something sci-fi there at the end. And um, the humor in Monkey Island is... Uh, I don't know. It's just a little sillier and I don't know if it would translate as well. It would be a decent animated one. It would have been maybe like a good pick for Brad Bird. Um, Let me tell you who they recommended on the site that I saw. Mm. Terry Gilliam. Yeah, that would work. Interesting. That would work. I thought that was pretty perfect. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. I would watch that. I'd be into that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we will uh, we will wrap it up there, given the um, uh, the length of the episode already. <laughs> uh, thanks for thanks for uh, sticking with us, listeners. Be like Waluigi and reflect back on this video game episode of What's on Draft. Yeah.